Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rafi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, All good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Rafi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Ellen DeGeneres is ending her show after 19 seasons and almost as many controversies. We've got new details on why former Bachelor Colton Underwood decided to come out. And Gen Z is bringing emo back. We're breaking that down with Pauline Woodley. It's May 12th, 2021. Hey, friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shyla Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Okay, I only care about one thing today, Shyla. I know what it is, that, too. It's that Janelle Monet is going to be in the Knives Out sequel. That's what I call perfect casting. Honestly, though, it's like, who is she playing? I know we don't know, but if she's not the villain, I don't know if I, <laughs> if I want it. Like, I need her to be the villain. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because you know what? I need to actually, like be able to not know who the villain this time is because I knew immediately that it was Chris Evans. Is that counted as a spoiler? It's two years later. It's two is years. It's two years. Okay. <laughs> I immediately knew because my dad and I both turned to each other and we were like, no way he'd take this movie without being the villain. That's true. That's true. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we'll see. She's like one of many people that's been announced recently. I think Dave Bautista was announced and Ed Norton. So we've got mm-hmm. some options. <laughs> oh God, Ed Norton. <clears throat> I know. Um, so we're going to start with The Ellen Show ending after the upcoming 19th season airs. This is huge. The show's end comes amid allegations of a toxic workplace environment. Top producers were accused of sexual misconduct, racism, and using fear and intimidation tactics. BuzzFeed News' Christy Lee Andoli was one of the reporters to break the story. In a statement to The Hollywood Reporter, Ellen characterized the move as one that was necessary because the show was no longer a creative challenge. She stated, quote, when you're a creative person, you constantly need to be challenged. And as great as this show is, and as fun as it is, it's just not a challenge anymore. Shyla, that statement angers me like no other. It's all lies. <laughs> oh, a 
oh, the show wasn't a challenge anymore. I think it might have been the biggest challenge because you had to do self-work. Yep, <laughs> honestly. And that's the thing. It's like they just gave up. And I'm sure like, you know, the pandemic didn't help ratings and things like that. But how like so many things came out, not just after these allegations, but then celebrities who were guests started coming out talking about instances that they had had with her. Like this is the end of an era. And I, I'm glad it's ending. I think it's been almost 20 years. It was time. I'm glad it's ending, but I do have to say that my first immediate thought went to the crew. I mean, they had a stable job for 19 seasons. That's a long time to have a job. And now people are going to have to look for new jobs. And that's tough in this industry. So that was my first thought. So like, I think that's also why that statement angered me that it was like, it's no longer a creative challenge. And I'm like, oh, it's no longer a creative challenge. And that's why you're going to make all these people lose their jobs. Like, yeah. And I, and I have questions about what's going to be next. Like, first of all, is this the last we're going to hear of Ellen? Like she has so many other shows tied to NBC and like you know right. she's been a host to things and you know she has these lines so like this is not the last we're going to hear of her but I also want to know if the show is like canceled or if she's just being removed as host like are we going to have a new show with a new host during this block I don't know we'll have to see mm-hmm mm-hmm Okay, so moving on, Colton Underwood of Bachelor fame revealed that he came out because he was blackmailed for visiting a gay spa. In an interview with Variety published today, Underwood said that he visited a spa in L.A. whose clientele was predominantly gay men and noted he was there, quote, just to look, adding that he never should have visited in the first place. After visiting the spa, Underwood said he received an email from an anonymous source who claimed to have taken nude photographs of Underwood at the venue. He forwarded that email to his publicist, and they started having honest discussions about his sexuality. Colton also apologized again to ex-girlfriend Cassie Randolph in the piece and said of his past behavior, quote, I never want people to think that I'm coming out to change the narrative or to brush over and not take responsibility for my actions. And now that I have this gay life that I don't have to address my past as a straight man. You know, Casey, I'm going to refer to you. You're the bachelor expert. So I don't know that much about Colton, but I feel like I, I don't know. Like, I feel bad for him that this was the the circumstance. Like, he definitely seems happier now that he's out and can, you know, be his true self. But at the same time, being, like, manhandled into the situation and, like, having his arm twisted is is terrible. Oh, no. I mean, it's, it's truly awful. The idea of someone blackmailing someone over their sexuality is truly despicable. And, and again, I say this all the time, that two things can be true at once. And I actually do think that this was the best statement that he said so far, and that he still has to address his past as a straight man. You know, just him being gay doesn't excuse everything he's done in his past. And so I don't know, that is, you know, this is, was an awful thing to hear, but I'm glad that he's still thinking, being accountable for past actions. Agreed. So next up, if you want to have an idea of what Gen Z is listening to, heading to TikTok is definitely the way to go. It's where a lot of new music is popularized and spread. And apparently it's also helped some old genres make a comeback as well. And yes, I'm talking about emo. To talk about the return of emo, we're chatting with former BuzzFeed News social news intern Pauline Woodley. She wrote the piece, Gen Z is bringing emo back, but this time it's not just a bunch of white dudes. Hi, Pauline. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. This is going to be awesome. I can feel it. (laughs) No, I'm very excited. excited. (laughs) Let's set the stage here. You were a BuzzFeed News intern. You're a senior at USC. We can firmly establish you as a member of Gen Z. Before its big resurgence, what was your knowledge of emo and its music? You know, what artists were you aware of? 
Right. Yeah. Well, growing up, like literally ever since I can remember, I have always just had like older cousins that were like siblings that were constantly playing just like this sick music that I obviously like wanted to be a part of and wanted to listen to, too. So we would just listen to like Paramore, Green Day, My Chemical Romance, like literally any of the classic like early 2000s bands you can think of like we were playing like with the door closed so that like our parents wouldn't hear obviously and yeah ever since then I've kind of just been I guess that was my introduction into the alternative genre and you know after that they kind of like held my hand through the days of like pierce the veil Sleeping with Sirens, like Bring Me the Horizon, like these other smaller pop punk bands, but that were still around in like 2010, 2011. And yeah, I've honestly been a fan of the genre just ever since. So when did you start to really notice that, you know, the genre was making a comeback? Like, and where were you even seeing this content? Right. Yeah. It was honestly so strange because like I had mentioned, I had just always been listening to this music. And so I think I was just like scrolling on Instagram and I saw that Machine Gun Kelly, who has always kind of had like an alternative or an emo look about him, but sort of always just like leaned more into rap was announcing a pop punk album. And that's literally like my favorite genre ever. So I was so excited to just hear it. And I think that it finally hit me that like, okay, this huge artist is going to release something that like I thought just wasn't cool anymore. And after he announced that, I guess I just started seeing more of that content on Twitter and Instagram. And then eventually it sort of like made its way onto TikTok where everyone just kind of like took a hold of it and ran with it. So how do you think that TikTok creators are really leveraging this genre to their advantage? I know you mentioned influencer Chase Hudson in your piece specifically. Yeah, Lil Huddy is, <laughs> he is just everything that like anybody in Gen Z kind of like wants to be, which I know nobody wants to admit that, but it's true. Like he kind of just shot up on the app and now is getting to do something he's passionate about, which is singing. Oh, I don't really give a shit if you stay. I don't really give a shit if you go. And I think that a lot of these emo content creators want that in the sense that they want people to use their sounds and they want people to sort of like watch their music videos and then recreate like makeup looks and outfit looks, which is exactly what Lil Huddy's fans do. And uh, honestly, I think that TikTok creators just like being able to use their own sound and then having other people obviously listen to it, love it, and then recreate videos with it. And, you know, like you said, it's not just new artists and influencers we're seeing embrace emo. We've seen established musicians lean into the genre, you know, like you mentioned Machine Gun Kelly. Have you noticed any others doing this? Um, honestly, I think that everyone's a little emo right now, um, <laughs> like literally, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like when I think about Miley Cyrus, circa like the bangers era. I don't think of her releasing a, a pop rock album, which is exactly what she did. 
And even like artists more like traditionally indie or alternative artists like Willow Smith, who just released a pop punk single, like I think everybody's sort of realizing, oh shoot, like this is what people want to listen to. And they're kind of adopting it in their own way because like both of those artists are so different and the paths that they're taking really work for them. Okay, we're going to dive into this some more right after the break. What's up, guys? I'm Rashad Bilal. And I am Troy Millings, and we are the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure podcast, where we break down business models and examine the latest trends in finance. We hold court and have exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in business, sport and entertainment, from DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban, Rick Ross, and Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, our alumni list is expansive. Listen in as our guests reveal their business models, hardships, and triumphs in their respective fields. The knowledge is in-depth, and the questions are always delivered from your standpoint. We want to know what you want to know. We talk to the legends of business, sports, and entertainment about how they got their start, and most importantly, how they make their money. Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. Want to learn about the real estate game? Unclear as how the stock market works? We got you. Interested in starting a trucking company or a vending machine business? Not really sure about how taxes or credit work? We got it all covered. The Earn Your Leisure podcast is available now. Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Conquer your New Year's resolution to be more productive with the Before Breakfast podcast. In each bite-sized daily episode, time management and productivity expert, Laura Vanderkam, teaches you how to make the most of your time, both at work and at home. These are the practical suggestions you need to get more done with your day. Just as lifting weights keeps our bodies strong as we age, learning new skills is the mental equivalent of pumping iron. Listen to Before Breakfast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. We controlled the courts. We controlled absolutely everything. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free. Until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. From my perspective, Bob was too good to be true. There's got to be something wrong with this. I wouldn't trust that guy. He looks like a little scumbag liar, stool pigeon. He looked like what he was, a rat. I can say with all certainty, I think he's a hero because he didn't have to do what he did, and he did it anyway. The moment I put the wire on the first time, my life was over. If it ever got out, they would kill me in a heartbeat. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Pauline Woodley about the resurgence of emo and alternative music amongst Gen Z. Now, you write that one of the biggest differences between the emo of the past and the new version of emo is inclusivity. Jason Allen Butler of Fever333 told you, quote, I want to make sure that our fans understand that no matter what they look like, no matter who they are, there is an open invitation for them to join. So how is that reflected in the new music that's being released? First of all, Jason is like the coolest person ever in the world. Like that interview is just so sick. And yeah, he's awesome. But I think that 
today these artists are just more willing to talk about like just more political issues, things that are going on in the world, things that they themselves experience. Because again, a lot of the new artists on the scene are a part of marginalized communities. And I think that they're more willing to be vocal about it, which is something you didn't see like 10 years ago or even 20 years ago, which is just interesting because I think alternative in the sense of like the genre would love to say that it's very progressive, very inclusive, very this, very that. But obviously there were issues within it that I think a lot of artists now are sort of like facing head on instead of ignoring like they might've done in the past. So you, you are seeing it become less of a white space then? Yeah, for sure. And even like back in the days, it obviously wasn't like a white only space. There were definitely a lot of subgenres that were mostly marginalized people, people of color. But I think that those subgenres are just getting the credit that they deserve now and just being talked about. And it's just an overall more welcoming environment today than ever before. So I think that a lot more people are looking to join because it's a fun, fun community. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, you know, I was, I was here for email the first time around. And I mean, you were too, thanks to your family, <laughs> but I want to get your take on how you define the genre now, you know, for Gen Z, how would you describe what emo is? I think that it's just like today, it's this like open space where like you almost don't have to put on like a happy face for anyone. I think in a lot of other musical genres, it's kind of just like, okay, like pretend everything is like happy and fine. But in alternative genres, you kind of just like, don't have to do that. Like you don't have to pretend anymore. And specifically right now in Gen Z, like we're all about not pretending, like not really giving like a care in the world about like what other people think. And that's definitely seen like in the music. And I think today I would also kind of describe emo as just kind of like, or even like the alternative genres as being like a blend of everything. Like everyone is invited. So like all genres are invited and it's just really interesting because you see the sort of like emo rap of today with like trippy red and juice world and Lil Uzi vert and all these other artists that maybe traditionally wouldn't be considered like alternative or emo, but they are because it's just like a more welcoming and like inclusive space. So the last thing I need to know, and I know you just rattled off some names, but I, I'm out of the loop. I want to get back in the <laughs> loop. So tell me, who who should I be listening to right now? What's some of your favorite new emo music that's out there? Right. Um, another great question. Um, probably... Uh, Transparent Soul by Willow, of course, because she literally just released that single. Her album is coming out and she talks about collaborating with Avril Lavigne, which I just can't wait to see that or hear that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. But other than that, definitely check out some like smaller bands for sure. Um, Meet Me at the Altar is an incredible pop punk band. Pink Shift is incredible. It was so much fun talking with them. They teased some new music releases for the summer. Magnolia Park is also another just like great sort of more underground artist. Tiger's Jaw. 
honestly, yeah, like I could go on and on. Oh my gosh, I should make a Spotify playlist. Everybody oh, join in. Yes, please. Should. And then add me make to it. it. <laughs> we'll share it with Shyla. And then the next time you see Shyla, For we sure. won't even recognize her. Emo will be her. Life. <laughs> That'll be my new That'll everything. be great. I need to mix it up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, Pauline, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a blast. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, give us the Janelle Monet villain we all desperately want and need. <laughs> <laughs> and be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. 90210 Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council.